Bow your heads with me if you don't mind. We'll, we'll have a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for being here with us this morning. Uh, we thank you uh, that we can come and, and worship you and praise you and sing to you, Lord. Um, we ask that you would uh, be with us in our service to come, Lord, that um, your love will be revealed to each and every one of us uh, in an even more amazing way. Uh, we ask these things in your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. Today, kind of a continuation of uh, my last message about justification. <clears throat> uh, last uh, was a few weeks ago. We uh, we talked about justification. We've been talking about justification a lot in Sabbath school as well. It's really been a, a blessing. My sermon title today is Walking, Walking with Jesus. And, you know, we if you remember, we were talking about how when we are justified, it doesn't impart a change of character. But it does presuppose that we are stepping into the road heading to the kingdom. And remember, what was it that that does impart a change of character. It was the indwelling of Christ, right? So what are we doing when we step into that road? We're walking with Jesus, right? We're walking with Jesus. This is... Uh, many, many people have heard the term walking with Jesus. Uh, that's what uh, most people would, would call it, is walking with Jesus. Um, but I've never heard it called running with Jesus or jumping with Jesus. It's always walking with Jesus, right? Um, and this is this what walking with Jesus is. Is this was what we this is what we call sanctification, and we're going to be talking about that a little bit today. So turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter five. Jesus told many, many parables. Some of them were short, some of them were long. But here are three parables that are uh, about the same meaning. Luke chapter 5, we're going uh, to start reading in verse 36. Here we have three parables uh, that, are, that are contrasting the same meaning. And uh, yeah, let's read those. Those together with me. Uh, let me see. Luke chapter 5, verse 30, 36. It starts out saying, Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. And also, the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. Verse 37. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Now, what Jesus is talking about here, uh, if you look in the commentaries and and uh, see what the theologians think about this, they'll say that there's two two meanings uh, that Jesus is trying to bring out here. One uh, is, is Jesus is talking about how if they're going to accept Him as the Messiah, then he's not going to fit well 
into their Jewishness. Um, him being the Messiah, uh, as, as we know, didn't, didn't go along well with their ideas of the Messiah. So he, he was saying, him being the new patch put on an old garment, there would be tearing. They couldn't, they couldn't just say, oh yeah, okay, so we'll accept Jesus as the Messiah and continue it along with what we already know and believe about the Messiah. He's saying, no, you gotta start from scratch. Now, another meaning that Jesus is talking about here is going from not believing in the Messiah at all to being a believer in the Messiah. Now, today, we have a clear distinction between new wine and old wine. This is the old wine being an alcoholic wine, new wine being grape juice. There's a clear distinction. You go to the grocery store, grape juice is going to be here, wine is going to be over here. Uh, now, back then, there wasn't such a clear distinction, and part of it being because uh, the technology that we have now, we've got plastic, you know, we can put grape juice in plastic, vacuum seal it, and it's going to be good for a long time, right? Uh, but what happens if you pour, if, if you have a, a container of grape juice and you leave it out overnight after you've opened it? The next morning, you open it up and it goes, sounds like a two liter, right? Because the fermentation process has already started. And back then, of course, they didn't have plastic. They didn't have refrigeration. Refrigeration slows the fermenting process down. Um, as soon as you reconstitute grape juice from raisins or whether they squeezed it from new grapes, the fermentation process started. Uh, coincidentally, this is why uh, Paul said, don't be given to much wine, because even the new wine already had the fermentation process already starting. Uh, so wine skins back, back in Jesus' day was made by uh, there's a couple of different ways I've read about. One was a whole sheepskin. The legs were sewn up, and this was going to be their wineskin. Other, another method was uh, the stomach of a sheep or the stomach of a goat or the stomach of a cow uh, would be tanned, sewed up, and filled with, filled with uh, grape juice. Now, if, if after one night of being left out, the grape juice is already got pressure in that plastic. Can you think uh, of uh, what kind of pressure there would be in a, a pretty unsanitary stomach of an animal bouncing around in the hot desert sun? Boom! That's what Jesus is saying. This is what's going to happen if you try to mix the new with the old. Now, uh, in verse 39, it says, And no one, having drunk old wine, immediately desires the new. For he says, the old is better. Now, some versions, uh, there's a pivotal word in this verse. And if you take it out, you actually have Jesus saying what he's not saying. Do you know what that word is? It's the word immediately. Now let's read it 
Let's read it without the word immediately. And no one having drunk old wine desires a new, for he says the old is better. So if you take that word out, Jesus is saying it doesn't happen. People don't drink old wine and then desire new wine. It doesn't happen. Uh, some versions of the Bible actually leave this out, but in the King James, the New King James, it's, it's in here. And it says, uh, And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires a new, for he says the old is better. Now, can someone who's used to drinking the old wine, the rotten wine, the fermented wine, come to enjoy the pure juice of the grape? If we go to a big city somewhere, say we go to Chicago or California, somewhere where there's a big city, we could probably walk down the street and find uh, someone laying there who's probably pretty drunk. Okay, so uh, we can raise them up and say, "Hey, man, uh, uh, wake up! I, I've got something for you. I've got I've got some good stuff for you. You've been drinking the rotten stuff, and, and I'm going to give you some some good stuff." And he's like, "Oh, okay, man. Yeah, that that sounds good." And, and we hand him a, a bottle of Welch's. Now, what's going to be his response? You know, he's going to say, "Oh, man. Okay, thank you, thank you, man." Yeah, well, what's his response going to be? Yeah, he, he's he's not going to like it. He, he's not going to be like, where did you get this at? It, it's not going to be like that. Uh, but can he eventually desire the juice of the grape, the pure juice of the grape? Yeah, he can. But Jesus said this doesn't happen immediately. So he's saying that it does happen but it takes time. Now we're going to look at some some verses that that Paul wrote uh, as well. Turn with me to Romans chapter one, verse sixteen and seventeen. <clears throat> Romans chapter one, verse sixteen and seventeen. Many of you may have. Actually, even have some of this memorized. This is a quite a uh, well-known verse. Romans one chapter sixteen, Romans chapter one verse sixteen and seventeen says, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For it is the righteousness of God that is revealed from faith to faith." As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, Paul here has just uh, condensed the whole gospel message in, in, into two verses. And, and theologians have actually made the case that these words here at the end of verse 17, uh, the just shall live by faith, are the most important words written in the whole New Testament. These are the words that Martin Luther heard as he was, as Martin Luther was going into the city of Rome. Uh, the Pope had promised an indulgence, a forgiveness of sin, uh, to whoever would climb Pilate's staircase on his knee, on their knees. So as Martin Luther, as he uh, came into the city of Rome, he was going to receive this indulgence, and he began climbing this staircase. I've actually. Have friends that um, have family members that have participated in climbing staircases like this. 
But as he was climbing this staircase on his knees, almost an audible voice rang out to him, and it said, The just shall live by faith. And embarrassed, Martin Luther got up. And from that, from that phrase, the just shall live by faith, you got ding, ding, ding. 95 theses on the wall of Gutenberg. So, um, what's this, what's this talking about? Uh, a little bit back in, in verse 17, it says, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Whoa. What's, what's that talking about? Faith to faith? Uh, what, what Paul is talking about here is um, from one level of faith to another level of faith. To another level of faith. To another level of faith. Can we? Is it possible when we become converted Christians, when, when we first receive uh, faith in Jesus Christ, do we receive all the faith that we're going to have all at one time? Is it possible to have different levels of faith? Can we have faith the size of a mustard seed? Can we have less faith than the size of a mustard seed? Absolutely. So this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that we're going from one level of faith in our Christian experience to another level of faith to another level of faith to another level of faith. Turn with me to uh, another verse um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Another one of Paul's scriptures, 2 Corinthians 3, verses 18. <clears throat> but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being trans transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So here Paul is saying that we're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. And, and what he's bringing out here, what he's trying to say here is that during our Christian walk with Jesus, as, we, as we're walking, we can always look forward and say, well, we haven't reached the complete character of Christ. We can always say that we're not, we're not there yet. But as we're going from glory at one level of Christian development to another level of Christian development to another level of Christian development, we can look back and say, although we're not there, we have come away. Does that make sense? Um, one more verse I want us to look at is 2 Corinthians 4.10. We should be right there at it. 4.10, it says, Always... Wait, wait, wait. 4.16 Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed. What's the root word of renewed? New, right? And that's what we're talking about, comparing the new with the old, not mixing the new with the old. And what's, what, is, what does Paul say right after that? As, we're, as man is being renewed or made new day by day. So, 
Paul is saying the same thing that Jesus was saying. This is a day-by-day process. It doesn't happen immediately, so it takes time. So that means it involves a process, right? Now, there's a there's a book written by my, my favorite author, actually. It's called The Faith I Live By. And uh, there's a quote in here I want to read to you. It says, There is no such thing as instantaneous sanctification. True san- sanctification is a daily work continuing as long as life shall last. Um, and then there's another book. It's called Selective Messages. Uh, I liked that I thought went along well with this. It says, you do not at one bound reach perfection. Now, a bound is like uh, one leap, right? You do not at one leap reach perfection. Sanctification is the work of a lifetime. So, this is saying the same thing that Paul is saying. Uh, This is something that takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. Jesus said it doesn't happen immediately. It's a process. Now, I don't know... uh, I don't know. We've all got different conversion experiences. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, and he he told me that um, when he gave his life to Jesus, there were certain sins in his life that right then Jesus took away. But there were other sins that just kept nipping at his heels. That took a long time to overcome. Now, me and my experience, I'll tell you what, uh, the Lord is, uh, I am proof, my life is proof that the Lord is long-suffering because I cannot remember any sin that I was dealing with when I became truly converted that I didn't stumble again with after that. There was no sin that I, I remember just dropping right then. I stumbled with almost all of them. Now we've all we've all got different conversion stories. And uh <clears throat> there's a uh there's a verse. It's in Proverbs twenty four, verse sixteen. It was our Scripture reading this morning. It says, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. I wish I wish that I could have uh, uh, read this verse and understood this verse back, back during the time when uh, I, I had just become converted. I've got a friend that um, he got so down and so depressed with himself. Every time I would see him, he would. I would ask him, you know, how, how's it going? How's everything doing? Okay. And just talking with him, he would he would let me know that he was he was struggling. He was struggling living living the life that he wanted to live, and this affected him so much 
he had numerous trips to the hospital uh, by ambulance because it was affecting his heart. It was it was affecting numerous parts of his body because he was so stressed out because he couldn't live the life that he wanted to live because he was struggling. He thought that it was a bad thing that he was struggling with sin. But you know what? When I was unconverted, I didn't struggle with sin. I struggled having enough time in the day to do enough sin. The fact that you are struggling with sin is proof that God is working in you. I want to read this verse again. Proverbs 24, 16, it says, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. Now here's my question. Who falls more? The righteous man or the wicked man? The righteous man falls more. But the wicked man falls one time and he's destroyed. Why is it the righteous man falls seven times? Because he gets back up. You can't fall from a laying down position. If you're down, you're down. There's no, you can't fall any further. But if you make the choice to get back up, which is a risky choice because what can happen if you fall, if, if you get back up? You can fall again. So if you make the risky choice, but the grace-filled choice to get back up, you know, we may make it, we may only, we may fall, we only make it two or three steps, and then we fall again. But what happens every time we fall? If, we, if we're going to get back up, we've got to get on our knees. And we've got to come to the cross. And we've got to say, Lord, I know this hurts you. I know this hurts me. I know that you made me for, for better than this. So by your grace, I'm going to get back up. And you might make it two or three more steps and fall again. So you've got to go to the cross again. John, First John chapter... 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we fall, if we claim that promise every time, the Lord's going to help us get back up. The only time that promise will not work is if when we stop claiming it. And, and it's, it's all about the distances. You know, we may take two or three steps and we fall. Take two steps, fall again. Take four steps and fall. Get up, take five steps and fall. But one day, as those steps get farther and farther apart, we're going to stand up and we're going to walk away from that sin and we're going to move to another one. There's uh, another quote that I thought... Uh, was appropriate. It's in a book called by uh, called by the name of uh, 
steps to Christ. It's not the, not the leap to Christ. Not the marathon with Christ, but steps to Christ. In this book it says, There are those who have known the pardoning love of Christ. Has anybody here known the pardoning love of Christ? I have. And who really desire to be children of God. I want to be a child of God. Yet they realize that their character is imperfect. Their life faulty. And they are ready to doubt whether their hearts have been renewed by the Holy Spirit. As soon as you hear the devil whispering that in your ear, you know it's him. Wanting you to doubt whether you have ever had a conversion experience. In Matthew chapter 3, you've got Jesus getting baptized and God declaring, Behold, look, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus goes into the wilderness to be uh, tempted by the devil. The first words out of the devil's mouth is wanting him to doubt what he has just experienced. If you are the Son of God. If. As soon as we hear those whispers in our ear, that you, you were never converted. You've never had an experience with Jesus. We know it's the devil. To such, I would say, do not draw back in despair. We shall often have to bow down and weep at the feet of Jesus because of our shortcomings and mistakes. But we are not to be discouraged. Even if we are overcome by the enemy, we are not cast off, not forsaken and rejected. Christ is at the right hand of God who also maketh intercession for us. Said beloved John, These things I write unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I guess the message for today is, uh, if you could sum it up, is uh, keep getting back up. Keep keep walking with Jesus. We're going to fall. The devil's going to hit us with everything he's got. But keep getting back up. Keep walking. Keep moving. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for being here with us this morning. Thank you uh, for giving us the opportunity to get back up. Thank you for... Uh, picking us up back, Lord, and carrying us uh, each and every day. Uh, thank you for having patience with us, Lord, and uh, for giving us the strength by your grace to overcome one sin by another. Uh, we ask that you would continue with us this week, Lord, and help us uh, to be a light shining for you. And um, we love you, Lord. We praise you. And we ask you to go with us. In your name we ask all these things, Jesus. Amen.